Raise your hand if you grew up hearing, oh no, you can't do that. What will people say? Or, lo kya kehenge? I thought this was a thing of the past, but it's still going strong and not just in the South Asian community. I love talking to people and finding out interesting tidbits of information about them. Yes, I'm curious, but mostly just fascinated with people who don't really care what anyone else thinks. Forget societal norms. I'm here to introduce them to you. These men and women have broken free of cultural or familial expectations and are doing the most out-of-the-box things. Whether it's a Pakistani woman like me with a master's degree in education who started a cleaning company or a college professor who started a fashion brand, you'll be inspired and amazed to hear their stories and how they're living the truest and most authentic life completely against the grain. I am your host, Barnaz Dar, and we're talking about going against the grain. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Going Against the Grain podcast. My name is Farnaz Dar, and today I am so honored and of course thrilled because I'm always thrilled to be talking to one of my dearest and oldest friends, Dr. Rubina Malik. Dr. Rubina S. Malik is a scholar, strategic advisor, and a global learning and development expert. As a champion of sustainability, mentoring, career sponsorship, and leadership development, she helps organizations and individuals enhance the engagement, retention, and promotion of diverse candidates. Competitive edge driving organizations from startups to Fortune 500 global brands depend on her support and expertise to propel programs such as mentoring, career sponsorship, and leadership development. Ravina, welcome. Thank you so much. I know we've had a little bit of a bumpy road to get here, but we're here, and I'm so glad that you that you made time for us here today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. And I definitely want to clarify that when Farnas is old, like <laughs> she means like, you know, just known for a long time, right? Because we're both still, tw- well, I'm still 29 and a half point one. Good. So, so. Right. Well, all right. Then if we're going to get all real about it, let's be real real. I've known <laughs> Rubina since I was a, a young girl. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and I'm going to be showing you some pictures of old days, old days, not old people, old day, uh, our relationship. And you know, I, I want to say something about this because we brought it up from the very beginning. People have said to me, oh, for nice. are you just interviewing your friends? And I'm like, well, no, eventually I'll interview other people. But it's not my fault that I have such badass, like successful, doing it all friends. And I want to share them with the world. And really, really happy that you're here with us today, Rubina. So I know, I know a lot of your backstory and I know, you know, where you grew up because it was kind of across down the road, across uh, around the corner there. But if you wouldn't mind, give us a, give us a little bit of backstory about your upbringing, where you grew up, your early years. Let us know a little bit about uh, Rubina Malik early days. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, Pranaz, I'm just really proud of you uh, to have this podcast and making you know societal impact. Right. So. Um... And I'm really proud of you for doing it uh, against the grain. And I definitely fit the fit, fit the criteria, you know, for that. So 
Um, I was born in Faslambad, Pakistan, and my dad was a professor there at one of the major agricultural university. And then uh, my father actually was invited uh, by the government, him and like, I think 10 of his peers were invited to come to the U.S. Um, and that was back in the day when, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the brown wave where the people were being recruited to come here to the U.S. to um, to get into STEM, right? Uh, technology. My father was working on computers even before we even knew what computers was. You know, I think he was talking about like Fortran and Col Colbots or something, you know, back in the day when I was younger. And um, so I landed here. I, I, I landed in Atlanta, Georgia. And in Atlanta, Georgia, I grew up there. And that's just, that's been my home. And my brothers were actually born here. I, like I said, I was born in, in Pakistan. But my brothers were born here, raised here. Uh, I like to um, I like to think that sometimes, you know, like we're the mayors, because you know, like you, you were <laughs> born there. Everybody knows you. You know everyone. And I grew up in Dorville, like you know where where you grew up as well. In the what city. year did you come? What year did you come, Rubina? Do you remember? Um, well, yeah, I want to say 1975. So like the early or mid 70s. Okay. Mid 70s. Yeah, my yeah, my dad, I think came he came before we did so I actually, oh, okay yeah so I was actually away from my dad for for four years so. so I was trying to like look at the picture and do some kind of math because I think we came we came meaning um my parents and I in 74 so I was two but the pictures that I saw looked to like we were in Alabama I have to ask my mom, I guess, to clarify some of that, because I assume that you guys were in the Al Alabama crew that then came to Georgia, but you oh, went no, straight. No, 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 no. We, Interesting. Lived, we lived in Dorville. Like, we grew up in Dorville. Um, I, I think what well, the two pictures that I know that we're in, um, they're, the one is actually in, um, so Georgia State used to have, like, right, their community center, student center. And it, it was there, the one in front of the car with so several of us. Is that yep. the picture you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. That was here. That was in, I mean, that's, that was in Clarkston. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, cause I think some of the, the, the some of the uncles mm -hmm. were, uh, were at Georgia state and had access to getting the, the getting the cabin there or the. I think, I think I see, I saw my dad's pinto which is so embarrassing that they drove a pinto right, right. or whatever yeah. it was the 70s so the pinto just um connects me to alabama so maybe we were freshly coming into atlanta or something it, yeah. It, yeah it looks like that might have been the case but sorry go ahead go no ahead, no yeah no we we uh we we never went to alabama we actually did one time and uh actually my dad was offered a job there and so we we went there just to go explore. My dad was, you know, we, we as a family went and we came back and my mom's like, oh no, we're not moving there. And it's just like, like people just weren't pretty there. I want to be around pretty people. <laughs> so we ended up enough. in Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's amazing. Yeah. And, and childhood, so I know when I told a little bit of my story, it was very much, and you know my mom, so I'm sure you can attest to this, but it was very much about when you go to school, we went to the same elementary school, right? When we, uh, when you go to Oak Grove Elementary, you're gonna, you know, be a little American kid or, or uh, you know, assimilate and do all the things, be do well in school. But when you come home, it's shlavarkamis. I don't care if you're playing outside with your friends, and right. on the weekends, it's socializing with 
the Muslim Desi community that we had, uh, you know, aunties and uncles and all of their families, you had the same experience, I would imagine? Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, I think people kind of um, kind of freak out when they see me because when I'm speaking and how I carry myself is, you know, very American, especially when I open my mouth and I'm like, you know, I'm a, a Southern. <laughs> so, and then... Then they're like, oh, so they're trying to figure out like where I'm from, who I am, you know, try to put put me in a box. And it's just really kind of hard to put me in that box. But yeah, like I grew up um, in an environment where, and I'm so grateful now, right? Like sometimes I think we're not, we, we can't appreciate the situation that we're in, but I'm so grateful now because I was like so exposed to different cultures at an early age. And I feel like that even had me be who I am today, which is I have a lot more compassion for others. I love cultural things, meaning like understanding and talking. And, and I feel very comfortable being inside of different cultures you know, as well. But yeah, very much so. I was, you know, uh, American outside, came home. We had, you know, Pakistani um, food. Uh, you know, we spoke, I, I, mean, I speak to two of the major languages, uh, my native tongue. So I speak four and uh, two of those are my native tongue and which people just really, you know, I speak Punjabi for now. So I don't know if you speak Punjabi, but- I mean, like, terribly, terribly. Oh people like so. freak out. They're like, what? And I speak yeah. it like so authentically. And so, yeah. With a like, little bit of a Southern accent, let's be honest. You got a little bit of a Southern right accent in there. Yeah. Southern <laughs> twang Punjabi. <laughs> Right. And, that's a, that's uh, a word. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to hashtag that something, uh, make right, a hashtag right, right. out of that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I grew up that, in that environment. And of course, like I said, at that time, you can't really appreciate it because you're a young kid and you want to be like everybody else and you want to assimilate. And at first, you know, uh, uh, Fernandes, I don't even know if you remember this. And I, and I think your mom may have gone through this phase as well. You know, so our parents, at least my mother, um, I'm like, you know, where did this against the grain come from? But, you know, like my mother, when we first moved was wearing the, those polyester suits from back in the day. Actually, there's a picture of your mother and my mother, and I think they're both wearing the polyester suits from back there. And right. um, then uh, one day my mom just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to wear these. This is not who I am. I'm not comfortable. And we were all like, oh my God, like that means you're going to look different because that was not what the society and our community looked like, right? And so my mother started wearing our shawar kameez, our, our native outfit, um, and, you know, to school and out, and she never turned back. Uh, you know, maybe as, yeah. as later in her later years, you know, she got a little chic and she would, uh, you know, wear a, a, a tunic with a pair of pants or something like that. I, it was really cute to watch her you know, create a little style for herself over the years. Right. And, but yeah, like she was very much, you know, grounded in that. Mm -hmm. and, um what else? Like, I, I just feel like I, I can, like, I just feel so much richer having that. And, you know, people always go, how did you know the language? Like, how does your mom know? Uh, because a lot of people don't, and not just us Pakistanians, but others as well, like whether it's Italian or Spanish, or I think that helped me to be more tolerant. Uh, that helps me to be more inclusive, you know, as well. For sure. And I'm so grateful for, you know, for that experience from our family. Of course, when you're younger, you don't like, you don't really appreciate it, but now that I'm, I'm, you know, chronologically advanced, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just really, I, I'm really grateful. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. So I think back about my childhood sometime, and of course, so much trauma and drama and all of this other stuff sprinkled throughout. But 
overall. I, I look back at those days and I, I just like feel nostalgic and so happy that we had that. We had a healthy dose of hold on to your culture, hold on to your faith, know where you come from, but uh, an equally healthy amount of get out there and go do the things. Let's start within bounds. Right. <laughs> and we're yeah. when you come home, right? Right. Although so, I have to say, I'm a little jealous of the young people of today, right? So like, I would just, I'll, let me redefine the young people. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, probably of all cultures that are now like second generation, right? So they get to find their identity, you know, inside of a community that was built. Now, remember back in the day when you and I were in the community, it was just like 12 families, yeah. right? So it's 12 yeah. families and that was it. And then mm -hmm. it was everyone else. And now I feel like the young people of today, they like, you know, young girls and guys, you know, they've found each other to get married or, you know, make friends with, the, like they have a larger community. Because growing up, I mean, I probably just had one or two Pakistanian uh, girlfriends, right? right? So right now there's just a slew and I, and I really, sometimes I'm like, wow, like I'm kind of like jealous because I just, I didn't, I had slim pickings. So and that's so funny. I had, I thought about that too, because after Georgia, we moved to New York. And then of course, you know, I'm surrounded by all of those people, but I used to, I just sometimes think back about like, we had such a tight knit little community of, you know, those core uncles and aunties and things like that. Like when I see you, I still feel like I'm, you know, 10 years old and you're like the, the pain the bin that I wanted to look up to, kind of scared of at the same time. You know, I had like those core groups of people. I don't know if people have that connection and they hold on as tight because everybody's just like swirled in together. The whole salad bowl's all, you know, right. mixed in with everybody else. So yeah, I see what you're saying. And and yeah, that's a, that's a good perspective. I guess it was easier to find your own. Uh, right, right. It was. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And, uh, for sure. But I, but I, mean, I and wow, like I'm just really like you're just that's really a valid point. And I just feel like now that I'm thinking back, like it was such a rich, rich environment. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I can I cannot speak to you for 10 years and then we connect and it's just like all the feels are back. And, and you know, right. I, I have this warmth and this like safety slash, you know, a little bit of like intimidation because you're always the big sister figure kind of thing. But so let me ask you. Speaking of being intimidated and the big sister kind of thing, what what were your dreams when you were younger, growing up in Doraville and Oakville Elementary? Like, what were you aspiring or besides conquering the world? Because I, I know you had that part of you too. But seriously, like, what was it that you thought you would be when you grew up? Or what did people expect you or want you to be? Right. Which is a really great question. And, you know, for us, in all honesty, like, I'm not sure if I knew, right? Like, so, you know, our, our environment is, is our environment is conducive to, especially if you look at research, you know, being an academic, um, you know, if you look at research, and this is some of the research that, you know, we have done, me and a few of my friends have done stuff around mentoring, uh, that sponsorship. And when we look at young girls, like, you know, young, especially girls our age, our parents, our mothers were housewives, right? And so that's what we saw. So we didn't see professional women who were trying to balance their life. And so growing up, I can't say much that I had these aspirations, but when I went into college, oh yeah, like I was going to go into corporate America. I had this vision and that glass ceiling was happening. So I was going to like, you know, break that glass ceiling and 
uh, the glass door and the floor. You know, right. Like I, break it all, girl. Break it all. Right, off. right. You know, and I, used, and I started my first job. I was working for a bank. So I had, uh, and I used to wear my blue suits and white shirts. So, you know, the joke always was like, what do you mean you're trying to figure out what to wear? It's either this white shirt or like this blue suit. <laughs> you know, right. So, right. And um, of course, I've come beyond the blue and white suit now. Yeah. But, but the impact, the desire to make an impact, the desire to make a difference is still there. And so I started in corporate America, ended up in academia, which was not in like what I thought was in my plan. How did that, that happen? My- yeah. How did it yeah, happen? So- so, you know, like I was in corporate America and um, I left one bank. I, I left the bank I was working with, went for went, went, went to work for an, an organization, Human Resources. And uh, I, I went into Human Resources. So when Human Resources first came out, it wasn't personnel or, <laughs> you know, it was actually Human Resources. And when I went in, um, and by the way, I had a mentor, Dr. Crane. And ironically, he uh, just like he was. He was determined to talk to me recently. He called me and FaceTimed me and called me and left me messages. And, uh, you know, we just spoke. And he was a, I met him in college and he just took me under his wing. And he's like, yes, this is where I think you would be great at. And, um, you know, kind of got me engaged in that human resources community and ended up, ended up working in human resources, you know, work, uh, worked in corporate in the private industry. And then um, I was working on my MBA. And then, you know, like, I just really realized that like, there was something that was missing for me. And well, hold on. Before you go down this path, let me, I'm just curious about what did Dr. Clark, is that what you said his name was? Crane. 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 Sorry. Dr. Crane. What did Dr. Crane see in this little brown girl who's working in, you know, the bank? Like, I can see you. I didn't realize that you did, you were in human resources, but I completely see that as a fit. Right. But it's not, and back in those days, I would imagine now we're in like 80s, 90s, in the in the uh, 90s, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. In the yeah. 90s. I can't imagine that there were too many, you know, in Atlanta or outside of Atlanta, too many people who look like you or me leading human resources uh, in any kind of organization, corporation, things like that. What did Dr. God, I messed his name up again. Clark. Dr. Crane. Dr. Crane. Crane. Like, I can, that's, a, that's a really a great question, but no, I think he saw a girl that was like, like I met, I was introduced to him. I mean, like, I just went, like I had in my mind, like, I want to find out more about human resources. Yeah. You know, I took yeah. a management class, Dr. Bridges. He was like, oh, you need to call, you need to talk to Donald. His, my, my mentor is Donald Crane. He's like, you need to call, you need to talk to Dr. Crane, Dr. Donald Crane, Donald. And I was like, okay. So he introduced me to them. So like, I went, like I had an idea in my head and I went for it. And I think, you know, it was inside of that, that idea that he, um, that that pushed me, right, to to meet him. And I think he saw a, a young girl who knew what she wanted and he was trying to help her and he guided me and do this and do that. And um, so, you know, introducing me to people, uh, you know, forever, you know, forever grateful. And it was the right place for me to land because my love for people and my love to impact. So I, I still... I, you know, like, I know I'm not in human resources, but I'm still in that world. So even though I left corporate America trying to break that glass ceiling, ended up working for a nonprofit that worked in schools and teaching kids about economics and, and, and budgeting and finance. And and this is where I was like, oh, wow, like, I can make an impact and a difference in the world. Like, and, and then ended up doing that. And like, oh, my God, forever changed my life. And like, I feel like who I am today is because of that. I, and yeah. 
ended up at, you know, Morehouse and uh, being a professor and wow, like the impact that I get to make there. I got my PhD as well. And, you know, just loved the, like, like my, you know, my, my process that how I got there and I'm still doing what I originally discovered was one passion was, you know, really for me, like one time somebody said, okay, well, you're passionate about what really, what really upsets you and pisses you off. And, you know, what really pisses me off is inequity, inequity. And I know we use that word a lot, but I was using that word way before we were using it today. But it's the equity when somebody who has the same skills, who has the same ambition, is the same an individual and who's a minority that they get looked over because they're a minority. Like I've always wanted to help the underdog. And so, I, I mean, I get to do that through my research now. I do it as a, my profession. I do it as my, my, um, my firm, my consulting firm that I have as well. And, you know, just what I do in the, in, in the world is to, to be someone who makes an impact. And listen, the impact doesn't mean I have to give a lecture or I have to do a training or anything. Sometimes what we all have to realize is that impact could be you just speaking to someone. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Just uh, relating to them and acknowledging that, you know what, you may have something. Talk about human resource, right? You are a human resource through, through and through. So guys, in my attempt to educate myself on natural remedies and natural ways to heal my body, I have gone into a dark and deep rabbit hole on the internet to learn about why it is that we are not educated about natural ways of healing ourselves. Needless to say, it's kind of nefarious and kind of crazy. Fortunately, there are companies out there that are providing great remedies that are proven throughout culture and throughout history to have benefits in so many different ailments. Fortunately, one of them is so fennel. Fennel seed mixes and treats that you would eat after a meal to help with digestion. If you or someone you know is suffering from digestive issues, which let's face it, practically everyone is, reach out to sofennel.com, that's S-A-U-F-E-N-N-E-L, to learn if uh, fennel seeds, which are nature's gift to digestive health, can be a benefit for you or could aid some of the digestive issues that you might be having. Sofennel.com, and if you use promo code GATG23, that's going against the grain 23, you can save 15% off of your first purchase. Of course, speak to a medical professional before trying any new solutions for your gut issues, but also try some natural stuff. Surprisingly effective. That's sofennel.com. Thanks. But let's take this back a little bit. And I just want to see, you know, again, this is one of the premises of the podcast is, you know, people growing up sharing, oh, you shouldn't do that. What are people going to think? Or what are people going to say? Did you get any of that with all these little pivots that you made throughout your career, throughout your um, your journey? So like, uh, of course, like, you know, my, I, I, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't you be married uh, like that. And, um, and, and of course, I went through that as well. I mean, and you know, in that process and, you know, what will people think? And I, um, I think in, like in some ways I was able to think freely and not get caught up in that. But my philosophy, I was like, like, people are going to speak, people are going to talk about you no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. So that was my yeah. philosophy. Yeah. And so I ended up, um, 
it ended up like, yeah, I mean, of course, I think my dad would have wanted me to go into computer science or, you know, just, you know, be an engineer, of course. <laughs> That's a, you didn't, yeah, you didn't get the doctor, lawyer, engineer failure yeah. uh, choices. I, I mean, I think I did for a minute, but, right. you know, like, I think I stood on my own. Yeah. And like, I'm just telling one of my mentees the other day, I was like, look, there's nobody, nobody can tell me anything. Because like, you know why? Because I've done it. Meaning I've worked three or four jobs to go to school and work full time and support, help support my family. Like who I am today, make, make no mistake, where I am today does not mean I will not be able to do that again. I will. It was that desire. It was that ambition. It was watching my parents do it. My dad was an entrepreneur. He worked full time. My mother was a housewife, but she supported my dad, mm -hmm. you know, and so that, you know, you see all these examples and, and I, and like, there's no afraid. There, there was no fear for me. And although I heard like, what would people say, but I always would come back. Like people are going to talk about you no matter what you do, whether it's good or bad. But 100%. I also, you know, like our parents installed something in us. And so like, for me, like I was traveling, I, I was traveling around the world as a, as a single Pakistanian Muslim uh, princess. I was running around <laughs> France and, you know, we, we went to Switzerland, you know, whatever. I'm trying to figure out where, where we all went on study abroad. But I had the opportunity to do that. And I think a part of it is because my mom trusted me, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I trusted myself to make sure that that got done. And um, so, I mean, I wouldn't trade that in for the world. But for me now, it's like really like, no, this is the impact that I want to make and how am I going to make it? Yeah, and yeah. Like, I've been, so I've been asking. Yeah, no, I've been asking people as I speak to them about who was it that, you know, we, it's, it's, it's great to have the drive and have the foresight to be like, whatever, people are going to talk, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to live it the truest way I can. But it's always helpful to have that one person who might be there just to encourage you and cheer you on and support you, give you that gentle nudge to say, yeah, yeah, keep going, keep going. You're doing the right thing. And, you know, I knew your mom, may, may Allah bless her. And, you know, she she was always such a such a strong a quiet spirit, you know, and, and it sounds like, you know, she gave you, and that's good because you are the, the loud, strong spirit in that house. And um, it's fantastic that you had that, that, that she was able to do that for you there. Would you yeah. say she's one yeah. of your big inspirations? Well, I mean, I think you know, it's such a great question. And to be honest with you, for us, I mean, how would I authentically answer that? It's like, I'm not going to just say it was my mom. It was just sure. other people around me and me listening mm -hmm. to, and being to listen to them right so yeah. I've had you know like I do stuff around mentoring and I'm a mentor myself and um I'm you know Dr. Crane uh so many other people Donna where I used to work like so many other people just mentored me and guided me mm -hmm. and I think I was mentored and guided and I was trained I was able to really see that um you know who I can be and who I can become and being authentic I never felt like I was going against the grain, though. Like, right? Like, I didn't be like, oh, I'm a little rebel. You know? Yeah, yeah. Feel, like, now that I think about it, I probably was a little rebel. You know, these young girls, like, were getting married. And I'm like, marriage? What's that? Like, it's listen, a listen. First of all, let me just tell you. Look at the people that we grew up around. I can't count any who are living the way you live and have created the paths that you've created. They may have little parts here and there, but... Yeah, I think, I mean, a 70s girl coming over here to the States, I mean, we had a sort of a script that we were supposed to follow, right? right? And I think you can agree that a lot of our people that we grew up with followed that script, 
whether it turned out well for them or not is a different story. So yeah, no, you you are on my short list of who goes against the grain. Let me talk to Ribby then if I can, for right. sure. I remember. Yeah. You ran after me like there was no tomorrow. I'm like, I'm yes, because, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Gosh. Well, all right. So, so talk to me now about being a mentor. And you were in a mentor. What, what universities were you in? Yeah, so I went to Georgia State University for my undergraduate. I went to Mercer University for my MBA. And then... I went to UGA, hence uh, my little buddy. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You got that Steve big doctor. There, you know, she's with her little with her princess crown and her little tutu that oh, uh, good Lord. my friend made for me. But I went to <laughs> UGA um, for my PhD. And mm -hmm. by the way, just so you know, we're clear. My PhD stands for Professional Hellraising Diva. Oh, I had no doubt. I had no doubt. I wasn't going to ask you to do any kind of surgery on me. What are you talking about? You crazy? <laughs> Listen, I can't keep track of all of your your acronyms. Thank you. You got your PhD. You're the Packy Peach. You're Princess Something Something. And I always know you as the Bean. So there's just so many names, Rubina. Come on. My goodness. Well, you know, that's really funny that you say that. And just talking about, you know, like going against grain. Uh -huh. Actually... Like, you know, the biggest thing for me for Nas was that, like, having to find my identity, like, who am I really, right? Like, so here's this young Pakistani girl, you know, grown up in Doraville and uh, in the South, and who am I? You know, this, the, 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 the community, the environment outside of the house was pushing for this, inside of the house was pushing for this. So who am I and how do I become who I am? And so... For me, you know, the Packy Peach is that. And um, so I think it was really important to have, you know, these, you know, the, then I evolved into the Pakistanian princess and now I'm, I'm the queen, right? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I missed that one. How dare I? How dare I? Don't worry about it. Oh, or just this week. This no. press release has not gone out yet. But but my point to all of these nicknames, you know, like just growing up, like obviously Bean is just from Rabina and sure. know, dad, like a you know, my friends who would call me Beanie Bean. And, uh, but the biggest ones that are really close to my heart are, you know, like really identifying as a Pakistanian American. And what does that sure. look like? Who am I? And I am Pakistanian American. You know, the Pakistanians that look at me, they're like, oh, she's not really Pakistanian. And of course, the Americans look at me, it's like, she's not really American. Oh, goodness. But, so yeah. you have to, you have to find your identity. And I think that's what I like to sell to young people. Is that yeah. find your identity, whoever you are, you know, like find that because that's where you, where the power is and you can make that impact. And For so sure. I, I, you know, I make an impact in that community, being that woman of uh, being a woman of color. I really identify myself as a woman of color, mm -hmm. uh, and most of my work is in the African American community. You know, I teach at you know Morehouse College. Uh, you know, Af young African American men. Um, well, I wanted to ask him about that. I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. Yeah, because I know that you are in Morehouse, a historically black university, oh, right? Yeah. Um, how did that, so did I say it wrong? No, no, you said it right. Yeah, okay. I messed it um, How does that, how did that fit, how did you fit into that whole thing? They're in the South. Atlanta is a very strong, you know, black community there uh, that goes back centuries and, and very established. And here you are as a mentor with predominantly black men, like you just said, how did that whole thing fall in place? And, and what, what's the most rewarding part of that as well? I mean, I'm sure that's a whole... I was just literally crying. I mean, literally, and I'm going to be open and 
vulnerable. I got literally was talking to a friend last weekend and I was crying and I was crying because at Sunday night, this was like maybe Monday or Tuesday morning. I can't remember, but it was one, one, one thing happened at night and one happened in the morning. But in the evening, I had spoken to a young man who was graduating. Actually, he graduated this weekend with his MBA. And of course, he attributes a lot of that to me. Um, you know, and then the next morning, I get a message from one from on LinkedIn just telling me, like, I really appreciate everything you have done for me. And I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for you. And it, I was just literally crying because, like, wow, like, what an honor to live a life where you just be yourself because you're committed to empowering people that you impact somebody by just saying something. Right. And like you know, one for the one that just got his MBA from California, I think got engaged as well. So I think he graduated and engaged at the same time. Oh, fantastic. And, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm really proud of him. So I haven't had a chance to talk to him about, about all of it, but, um, but you know, he was just saying, it was just something that I said, because I had this commitment to make sure that my students and my mentees, they all are, you know, that they, they they understand who they are so they can go into an environment which is, which is against them, they're against their grain, so they can be the powerful young men that they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, I'm just so honored. Like, that was my, I, I feel like I came into my life's purpose when I came in to, to teach there, to run the mentoring program there, to be a mentor to these young men. And now I'm not even a mentor anymore. I'm a grand mentor. My mentees are having children and oh, I'm, I'm a grand mentor, right? So uh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, what a privilege, like yes. what a privilege. Um, and I will just tell you the story that touches my heart. And I think that just kind of shows you the impact and building these mentoring relationships was one of the young men, uh, of course, I had gone to his wedding, which was a destination wedding. I was invited. Of course, I went. And then there, everybody's like, oh, you're Dr. Malik? You're Dr. Malik? Like, I was this famous celebrity. And I was like, (laughs) no, I'm Dr. Malik. And then when his uh, daughter was born, and not days later, I'm talking hours later, once everybody was calm and put together and whatever, he had his daughter in his arms, and he FaceTimes me. No. Shows me my grandbaby, my grand so special, not my grand mentee, right? You know, like hours after she was born, not days, and um, that to me just you know seals that bond. But how I got there, really, I, I just you know, like I said, working in corporate America, I ended up doing some uh, professional uh, professional development, personal development work, where I really realized my passion was to to empower and impact people in our community, mm-hmm. like that big thing ended up working for a, uh, a nonprofit that uh, did the work in the community and I got to see the impact of the work which I had never seen before although I grew up in Atlanta but I grew up on the other side and I didn't realize that you know the the, the what, what the impact that the south side needed and what the children needed there and so I went to work on making sure that these young uh, children in elementary school middle school and high school got volunteers to come in and they got exposed to things. And Morehouse, actually, I would recruit students from there and take them and put them into these schools. So these young black children got to see other uh, grown young men that were you know, going to college, doing something different so they can see this role model. And, um, and you know, eventually, you know, like I ended up working um, 
out with the, you know, like a, a few individuals, you know, sponsored me, mentored me, ended up working there, ended up getting my PhD and, um, I just, you know, really what a, what an honor to, to be able to make a difference, to be able to make an impact on the, the lives of the, of the young people. And for me, it's sharing experiences that I, from corporate America, from real life, because, you know, I still have the consulting uh, firm and making sure that they understand the opportunities that are there for them and how to build themselves so that, you know what, nobody ever says no to you. And if they say no to you, they have to have a good reason. Mm -hmm. I want you to be ready. I want you to have the skills that you need. Because remember, what bod what would piss me off is inequity. And I want to make sure, I wanted to make sure that my students and any individual that came in my presence had what they needed to make it in the world. And nobody could say no to them. And if they yeah. did, they have a really good reason why. Because all my young men, they're ready, they're smart, and I just can't say enough. I can't say that's, enough about them. Wow, that's that's fantastic. I think, you know, just as a former teacher myself, former teacher, you're always a teacher, but former working teacher, uh, it's such a blessing to be able to see a spark in someone and use whatever resources you have, whether, I mean, I was with the younger kids, you're with the uh, the older of uh, your young men, um, and then to see the the fruits of your labor all come around, and how your background and how your upbringing can can help move people forward, and that, that's just fantastic. And doing it in your neck of the woods is is always uh, a great blessing. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to uh, being a being a world citizen. Okay, so it goes back to being a world citizen, where I feel like you know, how can I make an impact largely. So I do stuff, uh, you know, whether it's in the UAE or in the GCC, I do stuff in Bahrain um, and, you know, the Emirates. And I think my background has trained me for that. You know, like just the, my, first of all, my upbringing. And then secondly, just my training now to be able to impact others and being coming from a, um, coming as a, uh, a world citizen who's committed to impacting. Because, you know, really, if you think about it, the young people of today, their competition isn't just going to be the neighbor next door. Remember when we were growing up, it was the people next door to us. These young people's competition is international, global. So you're not going to have to worry about Bobby next door. You're going to have to worry about Bobby in India or Bobby in the Philippines, who's now your competition. So I think, you know, we all need to be looking at a, a global perspective. And as young people... Uh, even as older people, like, you know, yeah. we need to understand that, like, you're going to be interacting with people from all over the world. Yeah. So for yeah. me, you know, like, um, learning, like doing study abroad, teaching international business and teaching the students about internationalism and globalism is very important. Um, it also kind of helps you to push against that green because you get exposed to things. Sure. Naturally, get exposed to like the things that we would naturally get exposed to in Doraville if we had studied. So, give me an example because I, I can just imagine, but go ahead, give me an example yeah. of. So, I mean, like, you know, you go to, you know, you come, I mean, if you think about where the GCC and you think about um, the, you know, UAE, you think about, you know, Saudi Arabia right now, like they're, they're the innovative. I mean, they're going to be making an autonomous car here mm -hmm. in, in, in a little bit, there's going to be an autonomous car. Uh, Saudi wants to be the next, you know, tourist place for people to go to. 
Um, uh, there's just so much innovation, I think, here looking at tomorrow and not necessarily staying where we are today mm-hmm. that I think we can learn from learning. And that happens through traveling. So having traveled most of my life as, as a young an adult, like I got to see Europeans doing things that we in America have not done yet. And oh, it's so true. Yeah. Whether it's fashion or perfume or jewelry that was like, it would come to us two years later, but I had already seen it because sure. I'd been to it and I had seen it. So I think it's really important that we globalize and um, that yeah, we learn so. globalization and we For sure. as you know, as well. Well, because you know Bobby from India or uh, Dubai or from wherever, he's working hard and he's going to catch up. He's working hard. And and, yeah, it's kind of amazing to see how other countries are doing it. We used to, I think when we grew up, it was like America has got like we're number one in all regards and we're just leading the world and everything. But as adults with eyes wider and information more accessible to us. No, no, we are not, in fact, landing the way in a lot of things. We've got a lot of catching up to do. Just talk to me quickly about how it is being the single strong woman in a Muslim country. Has that, have you, have you met any kind of side eye or, you know, questions or like, hmm, what do you, let me talk to your, your man before I talk to you kind of situation. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen? I mean, I think as a, you know, uh, again, I think it goes back to having your identity and understanding your identity. And I mean, yes, uh, by the way, you know, I do have a husband and two kids, you know, <laughs> I'm saying that We're almost, like, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I am. I have a husband and two kids. Yeah. Just right. to shut people up because yeah. they will ask and they want to know. Sure. And, um, and, I, and I'm not embarrassed to, I mean, to speak about who I am and in uh, my lifestyle, um, as a single woman, just to be clear about the lifestyle, right. <laughs> looking for a husband, FYI, uh, just in case. There you go, guys. Out there. <laughs> yes. Um, um, but really, it's, you know, a, a knowing, understanding yourself and standing inside of your power. And I think, you know, when, when you can own, when you can own yourself and who you are and what you contribute to the world, I think, you know, people respect that as well. So mm-hmm. yes, people will ask me and who I am and what I'm up to and why I'm not. But at the end of the day, once they experience the experience being around me, they understand like who I am, right. and you know le- they learn to respect that and realize that oh, like a brown girl can be a CEO, a brown girl can do X, Y, and Z, and live so- and live in a predominantly Muslim country and thrive and, and experience right. all the wonders that they have. Yeah, right. Right. Speaking of wonders now, I know that you are at the very beginning of another pivot in your life uh, that is the more creative side of you, kind of getting away from like corporate structure and all of that. Tell us about this exciting new thing that you've got brewing. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, like I've just became a little fashionista and I love oh. fashion. So I've just. Uh, it's a gift and know. a curse. It's a gift. Yeah, you've always is. been a little fashionista, but now, yeah, <laughs> sharing it with the world. With the sharing with the world, you know, I started making some pieces for myself that I really loved. And then, you know, people started wanting them and buying them. And I was like, well, what am I doing? Why should, you know, I should monopolize on that. So soon there'll be a House of Ravina line and, you know, I'm working, I'm working on that. And really it's a passion project, right? It's just something that I love. And I want women to feel beautiful. I want them to be comfortable. I want them to feel beautiful in their clothes and feel sassy and diva-ish. Yes. And uh, so, you know, that's what I'm 
I'm, I'm intending with my line to make it easy, make it simple. But yet, I mean, you've seen some of my pieces, like, yeah. Nice, but it's just, you know, how it's put together, the designs and the uh, material that's sourced to really have it be um, uh, as wonderful as, you know, that, that it is. But really, at the end of the day, I just want women to feel confident and their clothing and make and make it simple because I don't like to iron. So anything that doesn't have to be ironed. Right. And you travel a lot. So yeah. Right. And but yeah. the biggest thing also what I'm excited about is like I'm gonna I'm looking forward to like even sourcing material from Pakistan or you know having a factory in Pakistan make it. Of course like I'm dreaming big here, right? Like right now I'm just you know, have a few pieces here. But um like it's just like I said, I think we all need a little passion project. So you know for now like I think and like what I would leave, would like to leave people with, right? Um, is like having that passion, like having a little passion project, having something yeah. that really and brings that creativity side of you. You know, like mm -hmm. I painted, that's not one of my paintings, but like I paint, I write poetry, I do other things. So sometimes we need to look at other things that, you know, really make us happy and that bring out that creativity because then you can take that creativity and put it into your profession, put it sure. into your family put it into you know other places yeah there's but, a whole study on how art and creativity stimulates your mind and in so many ways unfortunately the education system kind of has dismissed it or put it to the side but at whatever point in your life if you can tap back into it I know I love I call it craft therapy when I have a chance to like get my hands on some craft things it's like right. melt away all the things all right. I know we're running a little long on time and that, and I could talk to you forever. Um, but before we, well, we go, we always have a part two, you know, for 100%. Like Listen, and that'll be more focused on how is House of Rubina changed the whole world right. there. I'd be like so busy. I'd be like, oh, for now, hold on. Let me, <laughs> I have to, have to, you know, like I have to make a quick change here. Well, I should have my clothing change. Yeah. Well, well, it's okay because we're going to send people to your Instagram and let people, I want you to let people know where they can find you to get in touch with you either mentoring wise or to see your new clothing line. What's oh, the best so way to, for people yeah. to reach you? So, you know, um, you know, for us, I, you know, your listeners, I mean, I'm happy to provide a 30 minute mentoring session, coaching session, whatever you want to call it, but um, reach out to me via LinkedIn and that's LinkedIn and um, is Dr. Rabina F. Malik, M-A-L-I-K. Please make mm -hmm. sure you reach out now. The best way when you're in LinkedIn, make sure you don't just link in with me. Make sure you send me a note and say, hey, I saw you on the, you know, uh, on the podcast with Pranaz. And, you know, I just wanted to set up a time or just to connect with me. Um, yeah. Like, I'm very generous. I love to, I, I love to help people if I can. So please, you know, reach out to me. And my Instagram, um, that open Instagram is House of Rabina. Um, R-U-B-I-N-A and then my private Instagram is uh, Packy P-A-K-I-E uh, Peach uh, again just send me I think you can send me a note and let me know that yeah you saw it here. But it is fantastic private. yeah I like yeah. to give a little privacy you know, yeah 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 you know, exactly so, exactly yeah. so yeah for sure all right we're gonna have all of that information on the show notes. I really, really encourage you all to to connect with Rubina in any way you can. She's so much knowledge about so many different things that uh, and and to offer a thirty minute free coaching or a free mentoring session is just super generous. So I really appreciate that. 
Before I leave you here, Rubina, I, you know, again, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? We can't control them. And honestly, it's okay. Let them say whatever they want. But if you had the script to give to people, and Rubina Mullick is just a long memory and her clothing line has lived on and her mentees are now grand, great grand mentees. What are they going to say about Dr. Rubina Mullick? Um, what do you want them to say? They're going to say, you know what? She loved humanity. She loves nice. humanity. Yeah. You know, like I am committed that anybody that sees me is impact around me understands that I like I will speak to them I'll say hello um I mean I do have you know I may miss miss it sometimes but but my love for humanity and my love for for you know for for the human race um you know like I like that's what I want them to know is perfect fantastic fantastic Dr. Rubina Malik, thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate it I don't know what time it is over there but I think it's close to dinner time so I don't want to hold you up any further. I, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, like, let's do it again. This was 100%, 100%. Sounds good. Be well, everyone. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for spending a little time with me today. And for once, I'd really like to know what people think. So please follow, download, submit a rating and review on iTunes, and share us with your friends. To learn more about how I followed my gut and went way against the grain, visit my website, sofennel.com.